Hello, baby. Want a kiss? Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast with your host, Ken Hess. Teaching a parakeet to talk is fun, but the old method took too much time and patience. This record is specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method that is acknowledged to be far superior because a carefully trained voice, specially chosen for excellence in clarity and diction, repeats over and 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 over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Check experimentalfilm.info for information, interviews, and episodes. For the next few seconds, this record will be silent. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to experimental film and its makers. Welcome, everyone, to bonus episode two of the Experimental Film Podcast. Today's guest is experimental filmmaker Craig Baldwin. Welcome to the Experimental Film Podcast, Craig. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Hey, and thank you for being on. Um, I know it was a little bit of trouble getting connected and everything, but we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real pleasure to have you on. You've been um, someone I've kind of turned to as a touchstone for my own filmmaking for a lot of years, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on with us. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work, if you can do that in a few minutes <laughs> a few hours you mean okay yeah. well you know it depends on where you want to start but basically i'm just a white middle class suburban guy who sort of uh, grew uh tired of the suburban life uh, and i never really returned after i went out to school at the university of california's and uh my father went to uc berkeley my brothers went to uc and i ended up uh teaching there by the way um both at berkeley and davis but in the meantime what i did was i got involved with filmmaking and uh, as a high schooler and in my early years of the university i was in the theater department film film was just really establish itself, you know, really as, as departments at that point. And that was like uh, early 70s. And so I was kind of drifting from theater more towards motion pictures, you understand? And so finally, I, um, after traveling around the world many times and hitchhiking and, uh, you know, hopping freights and all that kind of life, I, I uh, ended up in San Francisco. And I realized that uh, my option was, well, it wasn't just, but it, it kind of more or less for me came down to UCLA uh, film school, which I thought was uh, more too commercial, frankly. And also, I didn't really like the idea of living in Los Angeles, though, though my opinion has changed since. But uh, so I thought the best thing to do is go to uh, San Francisco State because I, 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 I really enjoyed living in the Bay Area. And, and so I did. And uh, so, uh, I, I, I really uh, threw myself in, into film at that time. And um, what I but I was poor, the thing is. And, you know, I had payback, you know, <laughs> loans and things like that. And my father was out of work. And so I was um, uh, kind of on, on my own, taking care of myself. And, uh, and uh, I had to get jobs. And, uh, of course, I, 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 I uh, uh, wanted to stay in the art world. Uh, I got a job at a porn theater, again, something that's more or less obsolete now. But it was thriving at that point. It was only because my roommate had an uncle at a porn theater. So I basically became the manager of that. I ended up sleeping living in the in the projectionist booth believe it or not so this was a great demystifying moment for me where i saw the uh, i could say the nuts and bolts of uh of film 
uh, at the very most uh, outre, the most uh, marginalized kind of genre, and where where the film was not really a precious thing, but was just thrown on the floor. You know what I mean? Uh, in the in the booth, you know, where I was where I was sleeping, and I could just see that I I I could seize it. I could could take control of it. I could master it. It could be mine. And uh, uh, so I started working with the film that was available. I made a little collages, you know, a porn film. That's how actually how I got into the department at State with a film called uh, uh, not Skin Flick, but Flick Skin. And and uh, so I stayed in the world of, of theater uh, work, which at that point on Market Street, was uh, there were like six or seven grindhouses. Again, obsolete now, but playing third-run films, playing three films all day for 99 cents and so on. I just loved that. Saw a lot of films that way and made my living that way, but didn't make a whole lot of money. So what I started to do was, again, just take uh, the cheapest sort of films you could get in, in garage sales and flea markets. Uh, I guess you could say uh, industrial educational films, found films, quote unquote, and, and started making collages. And that, that was kind of the form that I migrated towards because I could afford it. I shot my own films, sure. I shot Super 8 and I shot 16. But the bulk of the stuff was collage editing. And uh, again, the idea of live work, to, to uh, live either in a projections booth or an old bar or an old candy warehouse or an old bakery where I live now, where I'm talking to you from right now. And uh, so in the these kind of live workspaces, more of like I say, a lifestyle choice, not a professional uh, route, but really a, a lived, uh, a, 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 what do you call it, life and art being somehow united and fused. I believe in that. And I was able to do that, you know, sleeping under my editing bench and so on. And so that was kind of the, the uh, I'm just bringing you up today. I told you it's a long story, but basically I managed to do that. I, I got involved with the nonprofit and uh, there's about nine people uh, sharing offices and studios and, and bedrooms here in the space I'm at right now in the middle of the Mission District, which is a fantastic neighborhood in San Francisco, except <laughs> it's getting too gentrified, of course. So again, I'm struggling, and um, but still making work and, and buying and selling films. And so I've made about eight or nine at this point, and uh, I got several projects um, coming up. But increasingly, I'm a little bit I'm not drawn towards the digital world, though my last film was released on digital, but more towards, again, uh, embodied uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, a presence in, in real space. Uh, that's why this pandemic has really hurt our series here, because we can't have shows. So, uh, But uh, I plan on touring very soon with... Uh, Expanded cinema pieces, two or three or four uh, double projection pieces in 3D, for that matter. So I, that's that's the near future. I, I'm sorry about that long story, but I hope I brought you up to date. Oh, yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's one of your later works. It's called The Film That Buys the Cinema. Yeah. Is that um, something that, that tells a particular story like from from your perspective? Well, okay, that's a minor work, but thanks for paying attention to it. That, uh, uh, again, back to my life story there, it, it was a, uh, what do you call it, a sort of a benefit thing, a fundraiser for another micro cinema in, in Bristol, UK, by the way, called The Cube. So 
uh, again, that's maybe far afield, but I totally relate to those guys because they, um, they're doing the same thing we're doing. They, they had actually a whole theater, you know, with a proscenium arch and a stage and all that and curtains. And uh, so when I was touring many times through the UK, you know, I would visit them. And I saw that their project was to buy the buildings. You understand? It's a perfect solution to the problem we have here. We're just renters. And so, uh, so I, uh, they came up with this plan to invite 70 of their filmmakers who had passed through, you know, their space in the last five years. And every one of them would make a one minute piece, see? So uh, all I did was make a one minute piece. I didn't make that whole feature, you understand? And the piece that I made had was a, a three day thing for that matter. But it had to do, I made up a story having to do with um, surveillance and spying and espionage. These are genre themes that run through all my films, science fiction and also um, a sort of conspiracy and uh, paranoia and um, uh, secrecy, you know, and so that I, I just wrote this story, you know, off the top of my head that would go with the, the 3D stuff. And that's that's what that one minute movie is. Oh, interesting. So, you know, when I think and this is just me and, and my exposure to your work, when I think Craig Baldwin, I think protest. Is that does that sort of ring true? Yeah, well, yeah, of course, especially <laughs> now. Yeah. Protest, that'd be an understatement. Yes, I guess you could say uh, I uh, resistance, you know, uh, more activist, you know, protest, sure, beyond protest, but but certainly uh, I would I would include that word, <laughs> word, keyword among many others, sure. Yeah, in light of what's happening, you know, in the past couple of days with um, all the protests and violence and so on, do you think this might inspire you to a new film? What's constant? It, yes, of course. I'm not a whole film that comes out of this. No, but but what I'm saying is that it's just a sensibility that that I carry with me. That of course is uh, recharged, you know, every day because of events of the day. Uh, <clears throat> in other words, I have other film projects in mind. This would, <laughs> you could say, stimulate it or might add some ideas. But I'm not making something specifically about about uh, a journalistic you know, item. No, it has to do again with the sensibility of, of, uh, resistance and being more or less, uh, against the powers of me. Yeah. You've been involved with several organizations over the years. And one specifically I can think of in San Francisco that was kind of brown, great groundbreaking at the time was, um, Canyon cinema. Are you still involved with that? Well, yes, I love Canyon cinema. I, you know, I, um, uh, what do you call it? I'm a member I pay my dues. Uh, well, the dues are taken out of uh, the royalties you earn. Well, I have like six or seven films uh, listed with Canyon, and of course, I sell, sell my DVDs through Canyon. And the person, uh, well, it's a couple um, that uh, until just a couple of months ago, uh, more or less were managing Canyon. Uh, the, the guy was a, a student of mine, by the way. I mean, so I'm sort of bragging, but what I'm saying is I'm close to Canyon. And, um, uh, uh, I've always, I've always supported Canyon and I've done benefits for Canyon and, and everyone in the world should know about Canyon cinema as being, you know, the, at least West coast distributor of experimental cinema. There's one in New York too, called, uh, filmmakers collective. And I also had DVDs there for them and I support them too. <laughs> yeah. I really like them. I've 
it's actually just up the street from where my daughter goes to school. And I was going to go up there and join the last time I was in New York and just failed to. But I'm the next time I get to go, which who knows, could be September. I'm definitely going to walk in and join and then maybe send them a couple of my films. Well, that's great. Well, that's wonderful. More power. Yes, I agree. Uh, more, more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. And and and, and they they kind of solved their problem because uh, I went to their new place. They had a sort of a, a sugar daddy, rich patron who gave them a, a new space. I've been to the space before and to the space before that. You know, and it's, I kind of followed their their history there in very funky spaces, the kind of that I'm talking about that I've always lived in. And then when they got that new space, I was happy. So yes, they're kind of in the middle of Manhattan now, as I remember. And they do have events even, even now it's, it's tough, of course, virtual events, but yeah, they, they, they have screenings there. And, uh, and, um, MM Sarah is the, the woman who's a good friend of mine who I just saw a couple months ago. So yeah, definitely. I, I, I encourage everyone to, to get involved with, with both of these distributors. There's, there's, of course, distributors in and Canada, too, for that matter. But And there's uh, s smaller distributors. I, I guess you could say I'm a distributor in a way. But, yeah, more power. Yeah, great. Thank you. So what is Other Cinema? Other Cinema is it's one of my projects, and it's, uh, I guess you could say it's more than anything. It's it's the weekly screen series, which has gone on for 33 years. But it's, it's a, an umbrella term that, it's not uh, uh, it's not incorporated other cinema digital is incorporated that's my dvd publishing uh project and i also have a zine called other zine but other cinema is kind of the the larger rubric for <laughs> all these other activities that i uh could have started up over the last three decades and to, to most of the public it would represent like the web space and all that a, a calendar and past calendars are also there, by the way, uh, of, of weekly shows of shorts, mostly around themes. Yeah, and it's also that you could say other oh, cinema is the studio that I'm in right now, offices and studio. I mean, we do a lot of business with people who want archival material, see? So you could say that's other cinema, too. Oh, is that, um, I saw you in a short documentary. Is that the kind of an underground location where you have all the thousands of tens of films? Yeah. Sure, that's a, a cave. Sure, that, you could say that. <laughs> you could say that. Sure, that's that's where I am. I mean, I'm not. I'm in the office as opposed to the archive. But it's about fifty feet yeah. from me. There's a series of studios down here in the basement. That's what I was saying about reuse, repurposing of space, the same way that I repurpose films in my own work. And so uh, we we turn this around and turn it into a space that can be accessed by by you know, poor emerging artist <laughs> like me. And sure, I, I built that space. It was, there wasn't a floor on it. I mean, not just an anecdote, but I just went out in the street and over the course of two or three months collected all these ladders. People throw away ladders. So uh, in this space that had no floor, it was just slope of the hill that we're at the bottom of. I just, you know, I just laid these ladders down and, and then put plywood on top. And that is <laughs> the floor for the archive for about 3,000 films that uh, I just dived into dumpsters for the most part to collect. And that is not only a source of my own movies, you know, in terms of footage, but also a source of, of many other, many other uh, uh, shots and many other compilation docs made by friends of mine. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw the huge archive. Do you contribute or have you worked with the uh, Prellinger archives? 
Well, 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 Rick happens to be one of my best pals. We're both Aquarius, ah, Aquarians. Yes, yes. Well, you know, and he lives on the other part of town. He comes to a lot of our shows. We have him here. Uh, you know, uh, Prelliger Archives is a little bit more institutional uh, than, than other cinema. And uh, they, I don't think they actually sell films. Uh, maybe this is a very long story. But Rick had these projects that was in New York City. And they were either called ephemeral films or petrified films or Prelliger Archives. I, I really don't know the technical differences between those and then he came to the san francisco let's say about 10 years ago and ultimately he ended up at uc himself at uc santa cruz teaching there so in the meantime when he came this is his story to tell not mine but uh, he met this guy brewster call who made a little bit of money shall we say in the internet boom and brewster call's idea was to have a free library of basically it was uh, built around the wayback machine that you could go back and see any web page because web pages are so ephemeral, so transitory. Let's say you wanted to see a web page from a year ago. Well, uh, there it, it wouldn't be accessible ex until Brewster built, you know, this rigged, this engineered this thing up called the Wayback Machine, and you can go back and visit. So, in addition to that, they have audio archives, film archives, video archives, poetry archives, you know, recorded. Uh, uh, recordings and so on and so forth. So it's a great, great project. And Rick is more or less the guy who does the motion picture part of that. And he's particularly interested in amateur films, which is not my strength. No, but we have mutual friends who in fact do scanning for him and so on and so forth. So I just absolutely, uh, adore this project. I support this project. We've had shows here, uh, showing, you know, selections from the internet archive the thing about that is again it's uh not really super current because all the stuff that they list is in public domain so i think i don't know what the year is and there's a lot of copyright law you have to go through and rick knows it and i don't but i it's probably something like 1948 or 1950 uh which is the cutoff point you understand so he can't really post anything that's still under copyright on the internet archive so that doesn't make it bad. That just makes it, it limits it a little bit, shall we say. But, and also, again, that's uh, video. And I'm really more interested in, 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 in what will be the word celluloid. So those are differences. But yes, they're, they're minor compared to the, 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 um, the similarities and the mutual support that, that other cinema and the Internet Archive enjoy. So how would someone go about buying or leasing something out of your archive? Just, just, just <laughs> ring me up, you know, just, just email me. It happens every day. I mean, I have like, like four people right now who I'm, what do you call it? Service, servicing, <laughs> you know, like they want these films and I, I'll go find them and then, you know, we'll make a deal. That's fair. And, uh, and so on both whole films and also parts of films like projects. Someone is making a compilation doc. They say, well, let's, uh, I need shots of, uh, Eskimos. You know, and I say, I have them and I can, I can, I can pull them out for you. You know what I mean? It's a lot cheaper and easier and direct than working through Getty images or even the national archive, which is another archive that I support, of course, because it's not private. So, uh, so that, that, that's more or less how it's done. I mean, there's such a, a huge number of people who are now working with archive material that there's a lot of activity and, um, uh, you know, and so, so I, I'm, I'm happy to be able to help help people 
uh, because I'm, I'm totally dedicated to the idea of films ha uh, that do deal with history, with history. As you said before about protest and activism, yeah, I think the, the history of knowing historical consciousness <laughs> is uh, more or less essential, to use uh, the word of the day, yes. So do you have a, product, a, a particular project that if someone said, I want to watch a film that's representative of Craig Baldwin, what would you suggest they watch? Well, uh, uh, again, uh, the films are different. Uh, sometimes the themes are a little bit different, but they're, they're, uh, most of them are what you'd call compilation docs or found footage films, um, uh, cut-ups, mash-ups, remixes. But, um, the, so if your question is what's the most typical, you, I probably would have to say Tribulation 99. Yeah, that's one I've actually seen <laughs> in its entirety. Well, it's readily available, by the way, but, but just so you know. But that, yeah, that's a little bit shorter than the features, you know what I mean? And so it's easier to move around, I guess you could say. But Tribulation 99, that's also a book, correct? Yeah, it's true, and good for you on the homework there. Okay, another anecdote, but the thing is that film was this is 1990 you know 1991 it's a long time ago but uh you know there was a lot going on a lot in the air so to speak and um so i had you know friends you know who are also publishing books uh in new york and they knew of my project and they said uh well this 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 the script's looking pretty strong craig and let's make a picture book you understand so this this really the credit goes more to Keith Sanborn and the Ediciones La Calavada, and that's the name of the publishing company. And uh, and uh, so I worked with them, and I made my script available to them, and and they took pictures, uh, what he called stills from from the movie. There's 99 chapters, so you know it, that was kind of a nice way to organize it. And but you know each chapter would have a picture and a piece of text, and it's a graphic, a novel, I guess you could say, or a, a picture book is what it is and it came out actually after the film you understand it wasn't like the book to the film it was the other way around film came out and it did very well by the way and we had the book there at the film forum if you know where that is in new york city and the book sold out in about three days <laughs> that was an error that we didn't make more or didn't raise the price but yeah that's a true story very cool i like that i like having the film first and then the book because you always hear people say well, the book was much better, so this way, ah, this way ah. you can't say that. <laughs> well, they're, they're different in any event. They're 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 different. You know, it's 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 like a, you don't have to compare them. You know, it's a different experience. You're listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess, and now back to the show. So, uh, which? Contemporary filmmakers, are you interested in right now? Who are you watching or paying attention to? Boy, I sure wish I had the time. I, you know, that's a good question, and I'm asked that all the time. I don't really know the answer because I want to be honest. And uh, but it's not like I, I create a a rating system. It's just I'm beyond that, I guess you could say. You know, not that that doesn't have a use, but but I'm I'm so overloaded that I I just tried it. To, to see what I have the time to see, you understand? And it, it generally has to do with people who moved a little closer to me or established relations with me or put stuff in front of me kind of thing. I cannot really go out to the theaters anymore. Well, they're closed now, but I mean, generally, for the last five years of my life, I can't say that I've watched a, more than five features, 
in theaters. First of all, it's too expensive to go to theaters. And, but I also, I have so many films here, you understand? And so, in other words, in the terms of the commercial cinema, I couldn't even name the, the, the so-called contemporary directors. I couldn't. I'm so dropped out of that world. And uh, there's plenty of so-called art, fine art filmmakers that, that I watch and I support. And, um, and I can name them. But to be honest with you, like I say, my whole film consumption thing is piecemeal it's it's uh, hunting and gathering it's what do you call it just it's just uh, as you like eating fruits and nuts you know like uh, in in is as a primitive nomadic savage yeah i'm kind of a film savage you know i'm kind of that stage where i'm just so struggling for survival more more it has to do with keeping my my own archive together you understand and and and, and when i see something in my own archive well that well, that's my favorite film, you know what I mean, for 12 hours. See, so I, my whole thing is not to lay on a film a, a pre-made set of preferences, you know, or expectations, but to meet the film on its own terms, you understand, and see the beauty in the film and see what it's worth and see what's at stake and so on and so forth, rather than saying, Again, this is better than that, or something like that. And so, my increasingly, again, I don't know. It's it's for everybody, but I see films more in an ethnographic way. You can go to any festival, and of course, they'll have the international films over there, and then they'll have the genre films. And fine, I can accept that. And those are labels and categories, and it's a way to organize a festival or even my own series. I, I admit they're helpful, but I'm looking at films more like an anthropologist would, or an ethnographic uh, archaeologist, someone who sees a an old sword, uh, you know, from the whatever the middle ages and says wow this is fantastic this tells us so much about this tribe you know or these people with the pre bronze age or and so on so that's a a kind of a way of media archaeology is what i call it so i i can't say a claim to be on top of the the film scene whatever it is there is not one film scene i i totally uh, disavow that idea there's many many multiple multiple and 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 i happen to be kind of ensconced in in something that has to do with archival work and i i like uh, uh, this idea of the collage you know and uh, it would be bruce connor the, the, that's ultimately the name that comes up if you call him contemporary he died about eight years ago but that i uh, that i respect and robert nelson who i respect is also dead and uh, there's plenty of other uh, compilation makers out there, uh, you know, who more or less are represented, marginalized in festivals, but who show in the micro cinemas. So that's kind of my world of the short. I, I, I'm into shorts. I'm into essay. Uh, Deborah Strotman, you know, is the queen. Lynn Sachs, Sylvia Schettelbauer. You know, a, a little bit. It's not favoritism. It's just people who are a little bit more in in my corner and uh, who we have a dialogue with and that's that's a rich experience and i try to help them and they let us show their work and that's the kind of stuff i end up talking about (laughs) long story no no problem so when you were getting started in filmmaking and sort of looking for inspiration who did you turn to for inspiration i mean kind of like who are your favorite filmmakers at the time that uh, influenced you Again, again, uh, well, again, it would be Connor, of course, but, but, but don't you see, 
I'm, uh, it, even the idea of the auteur uh, uh, cinema it seems very old-fashioned to me. Uh, but uh, so, but there are people who have created a space for themselves and whose work I respect. And but the, it, it, don't you see? I I thought a lot of the film business was elitist. You understand? Know I thought it was it was. Uh, too slick. I, I, you know, I didn't think it was true and authentic. It didn't represent our reality, you know. So I was always looking at the uh, what you called, uh, I think, uh, it earlier the underground. I was looking at work that that just people struggled with, you know. Uh, cinema povera is another term, neologism that I created. Uh, in other words, work made with available material under dire circumstances. That uh, whether it was polished or not was less important than it was true. Or authentic, so well. Like I could say I came out of porn, so it was not like I had. I was in. Uh, those guys were my heroes. No, but I, I saw it as a marginalized genre, uh, and then the of course the B movies and the Z movies and the psychotronic films that we played at the grindhouses. You know, Sam Fuller. Sam Fuller was a huge influence on me, and um, that that kind of stuff uh, that was uh, made with a certain comic flair. And a, a, a certain sense of, um, I don't know if humility is the word, you know what I mean? A, a certain sense of um, honesty and and um, coming from a certain place, you know, in the uh, socioeconomic hierarchy, which was at the bottom, basically. So uh, I don't know if you'd recognize the names, you know. Uh, uh, I, I, like I say, I, not, I don't have a list, to be honest with you, but... but um, but let's let's say Connor Nelson and, and Fuller and um, uh, I can't remember any names right now. Uh, the you know uh, though those cause sort of again people who are sort of uh, more in the art world and more in the uh, the world of uh, making do and people who are ingenious and people who worked under the circumstances of solving problems through their own cleverness and their ingenuity uh, rather than f finding a model and then and then reproducing it you know not something that wasn't necessarily written ahead of time by a committee by the way in hollywood and then making a storyboard and then going out and just duplicating the storyboard you know on the set with about 50 people around no <laughs> that's th those are never uh never my heroes you um when you speak of film you're actually talking about actual celluloid or plastic film that not a lot of people these days are even familiar with or may have even seen in real life, I guess. Um, have you embraced at all any digital cameras or digital editing techniques? Well, that's a good question. But the point is, I'm not very, uh, I'm not drawn to it. We're not attracted to it. I don't really have a good, uh, what you call it, uh, a good uh, background or sense, uh, sensibility that's looking in that direction. So I, the answer would be, very honestly, uh, uh, or no, or very few. It's true that I did release my last feature, Makapamu, on digital. It's true. But I had an editor, you know, uh, Sylvia Saddlebauer, whose name I mentioned a second ago. And, uh, and so it, it cut some corners, sure. But the, the source of it all was 16 millimeter, just so you know. Uh, all, we didn't shoot it digital. I don't have any digital cameras. I do not even have a cell phone. And I don't want a cell phone. You know what I mean? I, I'm, again, I'm sort of a Luddite. You, you have to understand that I'm sort of anti-tech. 
and anti-digital. There's plenty of filmmakers around, by the way. Sure, yeah, I, I get that. I'm that way with some things. I, I think it must be that we're all a products of our generations, and we try mm-hmm. to go, I mean, I guess one extra. I mean, I grew up with film, you know, actual film, and never could afford the equipment, couldn't afford the processing, and <laughs> never knew how to work an editor, uh, you know, a, a splicer. And um, I, I just can't imagine making your kinds of films with a, a splicer. I just I don't get how it works. I can yeah. do it somewhat with a digital editor, but a splicer and, and I would, uh, I don't know, I would, I would attack the film. It would be thrown across the room before I got through a couple of hours worth of that. Okay. Let's make this clear. I do not want to turn this into a digital versus analog thing. You know what I mean? Uh, because I'm a man of my time and I recognize that digital, you know, uh, tools and skills are necessary. I would say that to anyone, especially younger people. Uh, but splicing film is actually pretty easy. One. And two, uh, being a found footage filmmaker, don't you see, I don't really have to pay a lot for for lab costs. See? So it's, it's more editing, to be honest with you. So that's my solution. That's my workaround. You understand? That's my solution to the problem. And it, and, um, uh, it, it's, there's so much film around and it, again, it has to do with history. Video can't do it because video only came about some 40 years ago. You understand? So the stuff that if I want to talk about turn of the century or the thirties or forties, then, you know, then I have the film here and, um, and it looks better and so on. And I can sell it where no one would buy the dit hardly the digital. So it's, it's it, kind of my, uh, what I, again, my corner, that, that that I can defend, you know, uh, for another <laughs> couple decades. But you know, when I will be thrown onto the trash heap, for sure, of me of the media, dead media. But but there's like I say, there's still a, a whole lot of, of activity in in this uh, in, in this particular uh, in this particular like I say uh, province of filmmaking, which has to do with celluloid. And uh, by the way, I think it's important. The same is true of any film department should have their freshman uh, shoot super eight or whatever. So, so you know how to set up a shot. They should have them shoot 35 millimeter still photos as far as I'm concerned. So they know about angles and, and it's not just turning to putting the trigger on and just walking around, you know, and pointing the camera and so on and so forth. That can be useful for surveillance cameras. <laughs> But my idea is a little bit more uh, mosaic collage, where there's a little bit of difference between this shot and that shot. You understand? So there, there's a little the the the, the idea of uh, changing angles or, and comparing shots, uh, uh, and not uh, editing, montage. All these ideas are, are are paramount in my own aesthetic. I agree. I think that um, everyone should know film and and splicing and editing. I, I wish I did. I wish there was a place where I could do something like that. I don't even have the capability locally to develop my own film or, or have anyone do it local. So, well, okay. Again, not to contradict you, uh, but certainly there were many of these media art centers. They, they, a lot of them died, including our own one here in San Francisco, which is called film arts foundation for a lot of reasons. One was because everybody started editing at home on their computers, see? So so there were plenty of places to learn film and plenty of laps, but those have 
been marginalized. I'm sorry. There's still enough labs where you can get your film processed, by the way. But again, that's that's not my argument because I work with, with film that already exists. But but there uh, are people, of course, who are starting these, what would be the word, collectives uh, that are uh, very uh, much uh, into the idea of hand processing. And I, I guess you could say it is enjoying a sort of a renaissance now. Um, so in most cities, there'll be a little collective not most, many, uh, and I'm sure there's one in. You're you're from Salt Lake City, is that right? No, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Careful, I beg your pardon. Okay, well, the middle part of the country. I don't know if there's one in Tulsa, but but the people in the in the middle part of the country are probably a little bit underserved. To be honest with you, but but um, uh, it, it, I, I I have no nothing to say about. It. I'm just sorry that there there's a gap, a vacuum there. But but one can learn how to hand process. By the way. And uh, you can get film that's out of date, you know, or short ends or something like that. That's kind of what I meant by resourcefulness and ingenuity. But it's a big hassle. It, it, it probably makes it a lot more difficult, sure. But it's not going to look – I mean, you're never going to get – well, they're adding filters all the time, of course. But well, I was going to say that digital video wouldn't give you that fantastic look. But so it's, it just has to do with, uh, you know, uh, your – your 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 expectations and your and your your preferences. I prefer a, a grainier look. I a, a, something jumping in the gate, something more active, energized, something that throbs. You know, I like the playing a projector in slow motion. Like I say, I like two projectors. I like I like to do uh, interact between two, move move them around. You know, I'm really more more and more increasingly into this idea of of uh, expanded cinema. And live, live cinema and uh, moving in the direction of performance art, not towards literature, no, the other direction, towards in, uh, the flesh, embodiment, and uh, chance, and, and risk, and, and doing something with, like a little bit more like improvisational music. Oh, yeah, I like that. In fact, um, what I'm going to do with some of the films that uh, we're showing at the film festival, in fact, that's tomorrow night, is our experimental film festival here in Tulsa. Oh, boy. Yeah. But by the time this airs, it will be long past. But <laughs> well, okay. not long past. But well, that's know. kind of what I meant by cl- whoever, whoever's putting that on. You know, I mean, I'm no more power. You know, what I mean, so, someone has the, uh, the, you know, whatever the guts, the courage, uh, uh, you know, the energy to do something like that. But th- 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 like I say, that is a world out there. You call it underground or what, but it, you know, you're not going to stomp out all the oil painters or all the violin musicians, you know what I mean? Or all the people play the harp. Yeah, those, that will go on, even though there'll be more people playing, you know, on digital sense, whatever. But, but uh, you know, th- there'll be a sufficient group of people, hopefully in any town and where where this 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 kind of stuff can go on so i'm very uh encouraged to hear that there's an experimental film uh, festival though most of the people who might be interested in hand processing and it might be uh, generally it's around a college by the way right. you know what i mean that's what i've tried to do because i'm not teaching right now so i've tried to create a, a, a center for that kind of activity that's not necessarily associated with the university but is ground up you know, gra- you know grassroots rather than top down yeah so, um, yeah, I'm actually the the uh, director of that experimental film festival here. I know. <laughs> I'm clapping. Yeah. For you, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been some work, but um, I I think it's going to do well, and and I'm I'm hoping we um, have a turnout because you know we're we're still at the end of this 
uh, oh yeah first wave here oh, so. yeah oh god that'll kill you sorry man lower your expectations like i say that's that's a whole way to be i call it masochism of the margins in other words you're marginalized you just get used to getting beat <laughs> you know so you have to have a kind of a like i say that i don't know masochism is a hard word but you you have to take some hits uh you know uh again just sort of treading on, on these paths, you know what I mean? Uh, they're, they're not mainstream and they're not going to be supported by the media, but they're going to be uh, uh, people who are, uh, are, are authentic and are dedicated to it. Those are the people hopefully you'll find in Tulsa. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll um, be successful. I, I, you know, it's in a good location. It's downtown. It's in a brewery. They're being very oh. cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll work. That'll work. Oh, bars are open in, in Oklahoma then, huh? Uh, yes, they opened uh, two or so weeks ago on a limited basis, and I think today the, the doors go wide open. I'm not sure what the rules are, but um, I'll be wearing a mask, and hopefully other people will be wearing a mask there. I mean, not when I'm speaking, of course, but any other time I'll, be, I'll have a mask on. <laughs> That's right. I think it's wonderful. More power to you, Ken. That's so. I'm I'm really jazzed about that. That's wonderful news. And by you know having it there when the lockdown is lifted might very well help you. And I also like the idea of of having a, a little bar in the uh, micro cinema. We always do. We we're, we're again our thing is not fine art with a capital A. It's not exactly uh, what you call a museum. Or even the Cinematheque. Our thing is more a, a little bit more salon or even club where you can you, know, you can relax and talk to people, including the artists themselves, you see. So it, it, the social aspect, I think, is very, very important. And uh, so it, uh, and also it helps us on the money end of things uh, by, by um, selling uh, selling beer. And we give our wine away for free. But we also give away A-track tapes. We also give away audio cassette tapes. We also give away videotapes. We also give away books. We also give away vinyl. Our thing is more like potlatch. You understand? You kind of come with the spirit of sharing and the, the price is low but then but you you might have a book to put into the pile you understand like a, a book of what do you call swap or whatever and the, the, the bar is cheap the film is cheap but you meet it, filmmakers there you might buy a dvd there so you understand so our thing is 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 more of a uh, affinity group where people can get energized by our own community uh and not feel like it's a precious moment or we can't uh, spill our beer or whatever. Very true. Yeah, I like that. That uh, I'd like to get something like that started here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how well it would work. But you know. uh, again, you you there, you know, the community has to develop it organically. You know, you don't just impose it. It comes out like like a weed, <laughs> you know, out of the ground. You know, like I say, San Francisco has. I'm very proud to say, it's a very very strong tradition of that, and because people love it, not because of billboards or advertising. It's because it, you know, it's it's people. Uh, it pleases them. They choose to do that. They choose to come here, not because of the advertising. So, so that's it's never going to get huge, no. But it's going to get big enough where you can get fifty people at, at a show, you know, and so on. And if you can do it, build up a little momentum. And by the way, I'm part of a, a larger complex here, three stories where people live. I said the offices and the galleries. And so um, there's there's other shows on the other nights. You understand? So there might be four shows a week here. 
not not exactly right now, but but in a month, yeah, we'll get back to that. So that's a com- uh, what do you call it? A, a community service that we provide, I guess you could say. You know, as a media art space. Well, that's very cool. Do you have a website or some other way for our audience to check out your work or uh, keep track of what's going on? Yeah, all the cinemas I said earlier. I don't want to necessarily promote myself, but in case you are interested, yes, you will see. It's very simple www.othercinema.com and then when you're there you'll you won't see any much happening this week because we're down but 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 you you'll see the calendar uh, the, in other words the films that we would have shown and and you'll also see the past calendars by the way Th- this might be of interest to you if you're doing a what do you call it experimental film series or festivals you call it you you could you could go with don't you see and you could look at all the shows we put on there's only about 500 and you get names and titles there and uh you know and and uh, you know anyone you or or another programmer you know could 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 ask me about this one or that one well the, you know that's kind of what festivals are about but our idea is not once a year you understand it's to can constantly nourish the, and reflect the community so our our thing is every week, you see. So, but th- that's why there's so much work being shown. So, yes, that's the URL, and we also have a zine that's uh, it's not exactly current, and we also have a store and and so on. You know what I mean? But but the the, the, the website's a be- beautiful thing because you will see trailers, you know, from the work that we show, you know, and so you can kind of get a sense of of uh, kind of what's happening that week. Very cool. I appreciate your time today. I'm. I uh, don't want to keep you any longer than I, you know, than you uh, signed up for. Here, <laughs> you've got a zillion things to do. Woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm doing right now? I just go right next door and go to my uh, my studio and start cutting film. Be honest with you, that's exactly what I have in mind today. I'm working on this long project. I won't go into it right now, but several several projects uh, that we have bubbling up right now. So, but it was great talking to you. Th- thanks for keeping me on your your podcast menu. Yeah, I know there's other great people, um, you know, and again, friends of mine, people in the community uh, that have shared some time with you. Yes, they have Lynn Sachs for one. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I appreciate you coming on today and uh, hopefully at some point, um, maybe we can have you back on for uh, another chat about one of your new projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> That's no great. Problem. Okay. All right, and thank you for joining us on this second bonus episode of the Experimental Film Podcast. Our guest today was experimental filmmaker and film curator Craig Baldwin. Please contact me if you'd like to schedule an interview, sponsor the podcast, or point me to some cool experimental films. And we'll see you next time. If you would like to sponsor a podcast or schedule an interview, send an email to ken at experimentalfilm.info. Thanks for listening to the Experimental Film Podcast with Ken Hess.